You're listening to the Remorseless Podcast. Hey guys, it's Beth Fisher. What's up? Good morning or afternoon or whatever time of day it is for you. Okay, so under the heading of again, I will be super quick with intros here. This is Paula Jausch's story. It's incredible. She's a trauma expert, as you guys just heard. This is episode number 27. And the last thing I want to say is Paula talks about being in a coma. It is literally time that we wake up in our lives with people in our lives and say, you know what? Not what is wrong with you, but what happened to you? What is the trauma that you have endured? So Paula's going to take us on a journey through this episode. I hope you guys find it completely um, illuminating and also shocking and all the things that it really is. And then apply that to your own lives and give yourself some grace and space to go, you know what? This is my story. This is what happened to me. I am done feeling ashamed or guilty about it. So buckle in, settle down, settle up, whatever you need to do. And let's go. This is a very important episode. You guys, thanks for being here. Episode number 27. Thank you for joining us. I am always so excited every time you and I get to talk. But one of the things that I always um, share with our listeners and viewers is how we met. So do you remember that whole story? Can you just like tell everybody, oh, this is how Beth and I got connected. Okay. So it was through our mutual friend, correct? Yeah. (laughs) Yes. We have to be careful because this is a professional interview and you and I love to talk. So straight to the point here, right? We met through a future mutual friend via email actually. And we set up an appointment to meet and I went to your office and like, I think two, two and a half hours later, we're like, oh, okay. It's been two and a half later. Then it was like, oh, the sister that I've always wanted. She was right here all along. (laughs) Yes. It's so crazy how God brings people in our life and like, mm-hmm. you just kind of know your tribe, the people that you resonate with and the people that have experienced not exactly the same things in life and on our journey, yeah. but, but enough to, you know, connection points that it's just, our hearts really just immediately aligned. But yeah, so we have mm-hmm. a, a very amazing friend in common. And, um, since you and I are both writers and speakers and, Anne just said, you know what, you two should really meet. And then she was like, how long did you guys talk for like two and a half hours? So it was great. Will you, um, the whole point of this episode is to share with everybody, you know, your journey, which when I heard it, that's why it was two and a half hours. I couldn't believe, you know, I was like, wait, what happened? What happened? You know, I just wanted to know more. I wanted to keep peeling back the onion with you, the whole layer and just be like, how did you get through all this? So you are what I consider a trauma expert, literally just based on life experiences. So that's it. If you could just share with people, wherever you, you feel led to do it and give them your backstory, that'd be amazing. Absolutely. And thank you for that saying that I'm a trauma expert, you know, so another woman at one time said that to me, and it kind of like threw me back for a minute. I was like, trauma expert. No, like, I don't have, you know, I'm not the social worker, or I'm not the therapist. But you know what, through my journey of healing, I finally came to realize that I am actually a trauma expert, because I lived it. And I've healed through it. And I've also over. I've overcome, you know, so many things in my life. And so like Beth said in the beginning, you know, I'm a speaker and a writer, but it wasn't always the case for a long time. I walked around on the walked around, just like feeling that there was something wrong with me, but I didn't know what it was, you know, and I had a lot of self-destructive patterns that I couldn't get free from no matter what I tried to do, you know, whether it was counseling or, you know, being involved in a 12 step program, 
I tried many avenues and I just could not get free. And to back up a little bit, when I was 21 years old, somebody, no, actually it was when I was 18 years old and right out of high school, I had a job at a daycare and I was working with this woman and she was just, she would come in so happy all the time. And I was very broken. So her joy and her happiness, it really just kind of rubbed me the wrong way. And it wasn't too long after that. She's like, you know, Jesus loves you and he wants to heal your heart. And she kind of picked up on my negative energy that I was very, very broken because I was, I was 18 years old working in this daycare. I had two kids, a three-year-old and a newborn. And I just didn't really know what she meant by Jesus loves you and he wants to heal your heart. And I really did not care what she had to say. But over the few years, as we worked together, I just felt comfort and confiding in her. Like when I was really broken, it felt good, like talking to somebody who felt like they care. And one day she invited me to church and I grew up Catholic. And so we went to church um, Easter, Thanksgiving and Christmas. <laughs> and I just remember as a little kid, like the priest talking and us standing up and us sitting down, you know, I don't remember much about the Catholic church, you know, besides that, because we didn't visit that often. And she took me to this church where there was a crusade and I think his name was Mickey Cruz. I think it was, but I grew up in a rough um, town in Las Vegas, like high gang rate, you know, drugs, all kinds of stuff. And she took me to a crusade in Las Vegas in a rough neighborhood. And this guy was just talking about like being free from that drug life and the gang life. And it really caught my attention because it was just interesting to me. And a little bit about my story. My father is an alcoholic and he also struggled with drugs. So he was in and out of the house all the time. So he would disappear for lengths of time. But sometimes he'll come back in the middle of the night, just screaming and cussing and terrorizing the house. And that he would even bring his girlfriends home and make my mom get up and serve them, you know, at gunpoint. Okay. And so, but what I did, and this is so important for, um, to understand about trauma, because there's something called the fight or fight flight. It's a, it's a tongue twister fight flight and freeze. And what that is, is literally your brain, you just kind of freeze at that moment and your brain shuts down. But I didn't know it then as a little kid, but what I started to do was block out the noise, block out the abuse, block out the pain. I got really good at that. And I continued that through my life, through like my preteen, my teenage years. And just even as an adult woman, I, and if you study on trauma now, they call that disassociation. You can disassociate from just the world. It's almost the way that I describe it in my book. It's like you're living in a coma. Yeah. And so go ahead. Did you want to say something? Well, I just, I'm going to pause for one second because I think that so many people can relate to it. I never knew how to, um, what to call it either, but it's just like a self-protection mode Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. basically your body and your brain put up this sort of, like you said, a disassociative state, like, okay, you know what? I can't put myself in this situation. It's too painful. So especially as a young child, right? You just, so you you remove yourself from it. And then it's so funny because years later, you know, when I've gone to counseling and I, for a long time, I went, no, I don't like counseling. Cause I don't like to talk about the emotions and it's just, ew, yeah. I don't, you know, I don't like it. It was very vulnerable to me, but the thing that, because inevitably people will say, well, let's talk about your childhood. And I'm like, let's not, you know what I mean? Because, yes. because then you have to remember all this stuff. And I feel like 
I worked so hard to put it away, but you can't run from it. It comes back up, comes back. up. Well, what we don't deal with, will deal with us is what I like to say. And it'll deal with us through disease, through mind gains, through sickness, through anxiety, and through eating disorders. For me, it was eating disorders, anxiety, cutting my body, depression. I mean, I had tons of symptoms, experimenting, um, because I didn't have that father figure in the home, looking for love in all the wrong places, got pregnant at 15 years old. And so with this, um, disassociating, I started shutting down as a kid. So in the middle of third grade, I just remembered sitting in a classroom and the teacher talking and teaching. And all I could hear was wah, 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 wah. Like I couldn't hear what the teacher was saying. And so one day my father is like, we're moving from this small town in Indiana and we're moving to Vegas. And it was right in a smack middle of a very hard core neighborhood, a lot of diversity. And I wasn't used to it. And kids were shipped like bust from all over Las Vegas into this school. And I just, I shut down. And so there was a lot of bullying that took place. um, A lot of other things that took place. And then by the time I got to sixth grade, it was called a sixth grade center, but I remember some kids doing using alcohol in the bathroom. I was like, Oh, let me give it a try. You know, 12 years old. And I started drinking, but I remember when the alcohol touched my mouth, Beth, I felt free, like no worries. You know what I mean? And that led to alcohol at 12, um, crystal meth at the age 13. I mean, I just started using and abusing drugs pregnant at 15 and my father got in trouble with the law and it was in Las Vegas because his addiction got worse. And my mother found gambling as an addiction. So literally here I was this little kid trying to raise my little brother too. You know, there was just so many things. So, and I have a big story, so we're going to kind of do the PG version and (laughs) cut it down. But my life, what the point of me sharing all this and the point that I share my story is my life was affected by trauma. And it affected me, like you said, why do I have to revisit my childhood? Because you know what, what we bury alive, it'll, it'll eat at us. And it really does, you know, and there's just something so freeing and powerful when we can look at this and realize the pain that it caused and then like release it to God, you know, and that's how I found my healing. And so I found after this woman was telling me about Jesus at the age 18 years old, I didn't want to hear it. But through those years, she introduced me to the Christian church. Well, at 21 years old, um, I had a third baby and I found myself very suicidal because the father of my kids, I met him actually in the sixth grade. So from the age 13 to 27 years old, I was with a Hispanic gang member who abused me. Um, I was introduced to the drug dealing life. My father went to prison at this time um, for a assault and attempted murder on a police officer. It was all over the news. It was just horrible. My mom was in her addiction and here I am traumatized, pregnant teen, getting involved in the gang life. And so at 21 years old with three kids, I was like, I can't do this no more. I'm going to take my life. So I went to the closet closet to position myself to take my life. And I remember at my oldest at the time, he was six years old, Beth, and he opened the door and he goes, mommy, I hate you. All you do is cry. And I just remember seeing his like little face. And it kind of almost reminded me when I was a kid Mm -hmm. and I just started like, I fell into a ball and I started sobbing and I heard that woman say, Jesus loves you. And he wants to heal your heart. And I kept hearing that. And I was like, oh God, she needs to get out of my head. This isn't the time for that. I just need to disappear. But 
it just, Jesus loves you. He wants to heal your heart. And I flipped over on my knees and I screamed, if you're real, I want to know you now. And there was just this pounding on the floor, desperation. And something happened. It was like a change in the atmosphere. Something penetrated my heart. And it was like a a strength that came over me. Like, I can do this. Like, I'm going to be able to figure this out. And I like picked myself up, wiped my tears. And I, I set my son who was six months and my daughter who was three and my six year old on the couch. And I said, mommy's going to be different. You know, mommy's going to change. And at this time, Beth, I'm illiterate at 21 because of trauma. I started, I shut down in school. And when I said in third grade, all I could hear was want, 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 want. Sixth grade, special education, seventh grade, special education, you know, and then it got to the point I had so much anger in school, I was acting out physically fights. And they would sit me in um, in house suspension, just put me in a room by myself. And I just sit there and cut my body. And when we have that cutting, it's just a form of pain that we don't know how to verbalize yet, right? We can't, we can't like put pen to paper, let alone, you know, I'm trouble, I have trouble with writing and reading, you know what I mean? I can't go read a self help book, you know, I was just filled with trauma and filled with pain. And so I gave my life to Christ. You know, I was living in section eight housing, that's government housing, they pay your rent, I was on welfare, illiterate, three kids. And here I am saying, okay, who is this Jesus? And how do I break these generational patterns, generational curses, I was taught to be on disability, I was taught to be on welfare, I was taught to be an addict, where do I start? So I remember that church she took me to. And at the time I had a big bar earring in my eyebrow and in my tongue and I wore black makeup and I walked into that church with my three kids, 21 years old, broken half shirt, booty shorts, excuse me, but I had no life skills. I mean, I'm just being completely honest with you. And I remember a lady kind of grabbing me and scooting me into the room and she kept me there the whole service. I didn't know why then, but I do now. I think I was dressed a little inappropriate for church. Yeah. Just a little bit back. <laughs> yeah. So, but she read the scripture to me that became my life first that day, which was Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you future and a hope. But what spoke out to me is not to harm you because I was, my father was very physically aggressive, um, you know, just choking two by fours, like, you know, wasn't normal belts or, and then here I was with this gang member for so long too, who dislocated my jaw, just all kinds of stuff, you know? And so, um, and like I said, I'm trying to keep this very PG. Yeah. I'm just trying to give you an idea of the trauma that I endured. So I gave my life to Christ and over the next 10 years, Beth, I'm going to church, but I'm still struggling with my eating disorder, cutting my body and hating who I was, you know, and in my early thirties, I had another cracking point. Like, I can't do this. I'm going to take my life, you know? And at that moment, I just kind of laid on the ground and I was like, God, if you don't intervene, I don't want to be here anymore. Were because you a single mom at that point? I'm trying. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I was because. I, I was like, I got away from that relationship and the way that I got away, cause I didn't know how to get away as I picked up my kids and I moved back to the small town in Indiana from Vegas because the gang violence and the drug violence was getting so bad. I needed to like move with my children yeah. and yeah. And so, um, 
I moved back to Indiana and just was soul searching. And long story short, there was a, you know, second divorce. I got divorced again too soon. But when I hit that breaking point again, and you'll have to read my book to kind of understand what I'm saying, I just cried out to God. And it's almost kind of like the ram in the bush that somebody told me about this trauma therapist. And I'm not knocking Christian counselors at all, but she was a trauma therapist and she was not a Christian counselor. And I did a lot of Christian counseling in the past, EMDR, Christian counseling, go home, read more, pray harder, rememorize scripture. It was not helping my trauma. So when I landed in a trauma therapist, she says, okay, let's talk about your childhood. Yeah. (laughs) And I was like, no, "No, just give me an eating plan so I can get over my eating disorder. You know, she's like, no, we're not going to talk about food. If you're going to come see me. I was like, oh, because everybody else is like, you know, with my eating disorder, go to a 12 step um, food addiction anonymous three way to measure meals, you know, but that wasn't going to get to the root of the issue. Following other fad diets wasn't going to get to the root of the issue. I had to get to the brokenness in my heart to see what was causing these behaviors. And for the next like four to five years, I did a lot of trauma work with her. And what God did was he brought the memories that I needed to be healed. And when I would walk through those feelings with her and I would grieve and we would go for long walks and she would meet me at her house. She would take me like hiking through the woods and we would just dissect memories. And I had to learn one of the chapters in my book, I think it's called what is normal because I I had to understand what was normal, what wasn't. Yeah. I didn't know. That's what you said in the part in the verse in Jeremiah, you said that really stuck out to you was plans, you know, not to prosper, but to not harm you because all you had known, all you had been shown is harm, bodily harm, emotional harm, just you were not treated with love and dignity Mm -hmm. and compassion the way that Mm -hmm. Jesus loves and and treats us with dignity and compassion. You weren't shown that. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we, we see, especially in this world right now, everything is systemic, right? We're looking at all the systemic injustices and racism Mm -hmm. and and Mm -hmm. just all the things that all of us have experienced. And finally, people are like, you know what? How do we expect people to show up in the world who have never been shown anything differently? You can Mm -hmm. hear, like you said, you can hear a scripture verse, you can hear about Jesus, Mm -hmm. but unless you've got somebody to walk alongside you and show you love, it goes in one where it one, it in one ear and out the other, because you don't know, you don't believe it. Yeah. But Beth, I needed love. I needed to learn life skills, cooking, hygiene, um, learning that I could have a full-time job. Like, I mean, I started at the basic, like with mentors, learning how to read, um, with life skills, learning how to do resumes. I mean, it was, and that's why I share my story today, because there's hope for everyone. If you're willing to put in the work, if you're willing to not give up, if you're willing to like keep searching, I mean, come on and an award-winning author. And now I'm up for another award on my first book, but yeah, I was a literate till 21. I mean, at 21 years old, I remember learning the word there over there they are. And when that light bulb went on, I'm like, Oh, this is so cool. You know? Yeah. So 
And because that we, that's what God is. He's a God of redemption and he's a God that likes to store, but we have to understand how trauma gets so deep in our tissue and in our bones, if not dealt with, you know, the church likes to say, you know, we're a new creation in Christ Jesus and the old has passed away. Well, the Bible also says that he heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. You know, he, God already knows. And you know how I started to get freedom in the area of my food issue and eating disorder is when I stopped hiding. I'm like, all right, God, this is the behavior I'm struggling with today. I really need you or, Hey God, I'm going to do it today. And I don't care what you think because I'm ticked off. You know what I mean? And then I'm laying over here like, why didn't I ask you for help? God, you know? Yeah. So, but it's just God truly, he's a God of grace and he really loves us. And he just wants us to come to him for help, you know, and that's why Beth, I'm just so passionate about telling people you can heal from trauma, you can get free from your addiction. You know, you really can. Yeah. So can you take us through first of all, I mean, just thank you always thank you for sharing that story, because it Mm -hmm. takes courage and and bravery and just to go back there. But I I think you've gotten to a point in your life where you realize that people showed up in your life to help you. And if that happened, you would, I, I saw on mother's day, you posted some, you know, like you're, yeah. you're giving thanks and appreciation for people who you didn't know strangers in your life that showed you kindness, that showed you the yeah. love. Of Jesus. And the thing yeah. is, if people don't step up to do that, um, what does that say about one us being Christians, you know, are we demonstrating the love and compassion of Jesus? Or are we just all lip service? Right. And two, mm-hmm. what happens as well to people, our brothers and sisters in this world that Jesus calls us to serve. And we just, mm-hmm walking on by, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So so can you take us through like, you know, your, you said you kind of had another sort of, um, not a setback. I don't want to say that, but in your thirties, you were struggling again. What, what would you say, you know, you're you're wrestling with God, you're being honest and vulnerable with God. Like, Hey, this is what I'm doing here. So when you Mm -hmm. stopped hiding from him, then what, what kind of changed from there? Well, since we're in this pandemic, let's talk mask. (laughs) I had to take my mask off. Yeah. <laughs> and I and I really do mean that because you know what? I was going to church. I was going through the motions. I used to go to, I did go to the altar all the time to get prayed for, but I still came home mentally, physically exhausted, anxiety, not sleeping, eating disorder, just struggling with all these things. And I I had to allow God to get to the root of the issues. I real and you know what too? I had to just be okay with letting go of a lot of things, Beth, you know, instead of running the race, just like running, running, running and doing life and surviving, running, running. I sat, I finally just sat and I started telling people no. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I'm not going to lie to you. Friends started dropping off like flies, like they did. But it, but now looking at it, I needed that. I needed this time with God to, you know, be still and know that I am God. I needed to sit with him and just let him heal me and allow those things to come to surface so I could look at them and feel them. Because the biggest thing that took me forever to heal from, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but just saying I can't be different than how I was raised. Mm-hmm. I had to grieve the fear of that. I had to grieve the rejection that I felt as a child, the abandonment. It was so deep in my heart, in my soul. And I, to be honest, Beth, the pain was so bad. I never thought I would get over it, Mm. but today I am. And both of my earthly parents, they're no longer here. And I look at their lives and how hard it was for them because they did not heal. 
You know what I mean? And that's not how I want to show up in this world. The one life that I get, I, I want to enjoy my marriage, enjoy my children, enjoy my grandkids, walk in my purpose, walk in my calling, keep creating miracle um, material that will be for the generations behind me, yeah, you know? Yes. yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and so what you're saying is you, you wanted to believe that you can break the chains and, and you wanted to believe that you, um, now can look back maybe with a different level of even empathy for your earthly parents. Like, because I do, I so do. I so do big part of forgiveness, right? It's like when we, like you said, we shove it under the rug and we keep it all inside and we bottle all up and that anger only eats away at us. Yeah. And then instead, when you can say, okay, I'm going to maybe look at it from a different perspective. And I, while my hurts are still there, you know, I went through all the pain and and the, the suffering that I did doesn't take it away, but it helps you to maybe reframe the narrative a little bit so that we can get out of our heads and say, mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not broken. Like I used to be, I'm, I'm, I'm healing. God is healing me through my journey. And I can look at my parents and anybody else who's wronged me in the course of my life and go, they're broken too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that helps. Yeah. But, I, but I want to share on that a little bit that I do have to say in the beginning, when I started this healing process, I had allowed, I had to allow myself to get angry. Mm-hmm. at what happened to me and what they did. Yeah. That was that you know there was the anger and then there was the grieving. You know what I mean? And then there was the acceptance phase of like this is my life, this is my story. And I was probably stuck in the grieving and acceptance back and forth for for years, right? Yeah. But now I feel really bad for them. Like it's not it's not like a pity, but it's like I wish you would have found what I found. Yes. And second, I wish that I was at such a healing place in my life that I could accept them, but I couldn't because I wasn't healed enough when they were here. You know what I mean? Yeah. Is that- I, yeah, no, I, I do. I do. So do you have, cause I think there are people in the world and certainly who watch this that might struggle with that. Maybe they didn't have a reconciliation while somebody who had harmed them uh, before they passed. What, what advice would you give to people? <laughs> so in my book, I talk about like, there was this movie I watched Mercy Me and it was, yeah, Mercy Me, or I can only imagine, but it was written by the guy who wrote the song Mercy Me, but he's, his father was an alcoholic and abusive and it was an amazing movie. But at the end, before his father died, he had this amazing reconciliation. And I remember that I kept watching that movie over and over through my healing journey and I would sob and I would sob and I would sob, but I was mad because I didn't get that. I didn't have two parents that came to me and said, I'm so sorry for what I did. You know what I mean? But now today, that's my story. I didn't have, but on my father's deathbed, when he was in hospice dying on morphine, um, my siblings, I was one, I was one of the children that stayed with him for a few nights because I was, I could, let's just put it that way. And while he was on that morphine, I remember one night him trying to get up to use the restroom, but his body was already shutting down. So it was like a quick up and down thing. And a nurse had to come help me. But when you're on morphine, you're really not present. But I remember him trying to get up and he did. And then he laid back down. But at that moment, in the middle of the night, I looked at him and I, I, and I was like, dad, it's Paula. And I just said, I want you to know that I love you. And no matter what you did to me, I never stopped loving you. 
And I rubbed my hair through his, my hand through his hair the first time because I was so scared of him. Mm. And I held his hand, Beth, and I remember him shaking his head and trying to look at me. Mm-hmm. But you know what? That was my reconciliation. Yeah. It was a special moment that I believe that God gave me, yeah. you know? So reconciliation can look different. It can be writing a letter to a loved one that hurts you and working through that and releasing them if they're already gone. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a very necessary step. And like you said, a lot of people don't get that moment. And a lot of people don't get the moment that they have um, maybe envisioned in their mind, like from a movie or, you know, you see somebody else or you listen to a story and you're like, I want that. I don't know. Yeah. And, and that's really, um, we, we all know that we can only really find truly find peace in yeah. Jesus. Right. And so I love the part two, where you say you got still where you had to start putting up boundaries in your life to say no to people because we get in this, and I'm guilty of it. I know I have to work really hard to spend that time, which sounds crazy because God comes first. Right. But yeah. a little more intentional was saying this, if I'm here in this moment, that means I'm not elsewhere. It's a tr- like I have to choose. And so yeah. some of us just keep running and running and, yeah. and all the stuff. And you're like, what am yeah. I not on here? Healing yeah. the relationship. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I was listening um, to a Joyce Myers today. We all know who Joyce Myers is. And she, I can relate to so much that she has to say. And one of the things she said today was um, she's very goal oriented. And so am I. It's like all about goals, all about goals. But I have to find that balance and prioritize. And she says that she wakes up and she's like, it's quiet time in my workout, you know, and she's like, boom. And I could relate to that. Cause I'm like the same way, like my quiet time, my workout in the morning, don't whatever. And she says that her husband will just like want to hug her. And she's like, but I didn't put that hug in my schedule. And she <laughs> says, she goes, then he'll like to grab me and like, hold me and start talking to me. And she's like, you don't understand. Like I'm on a time frame on this and that. And I had to laugh because Oh my God. I'm like, wake up, hit the ground running. I got to get my quiet time. I got to get my workout. And my husband always wants to hug me. Yeah. And I'm always like, stop I'm it. Always like, me. Yeah. I'm on a roll. Yeah. I know. And he, and he likes the, and then he'll hold me too, to make me upset. And I heard this today. I haven't shared it with him yet, but I just thought it was so funny, you know, but life really is about balance and to know that some days aren't going to look like other days, you know, we have to just, yeah. I'm so glad that I'm not the only one that Joyce feels that, that you feel that, you know, because <laughs> right, and the guilt creeps in like, oh man, I'm really a loving person, but you're just like, not on my time schedule right now. Like I didn't, I didn't put you in here right now. I didn't schedule you in. Yes. Well, well, and the thing is when we're trying so hard to accomplish goals and do these things, anybody who's wired like that, when we feel like somebody or something is slowing us down, yeah. we get a little bit like angry, kind of like annoyed. Oh, yeah. Right. And that's. I, I have to really watch that with myself. Like I'll be, Oh, me office, too. I know. And that's not what Je- Jesus didn't model that. He always had no. to people. Now he was also on a mission yeah. about goal oriented, right? He knew his purpose. Yeah. So, but when people came and surrounded him, he always made time. And it's interesting the way that he went about his teachings with people and his own earthly annoyances. It's like he was, Jesus was never annoyed by people, by people who weren't shown better. Like going back to your, yeah. your point about like, you didn't know, nobody took time to show up in your life and show you these things. Jesus always was the one to show people to parent, to act as a father, God. Right. But the Pharisees and people who like did have that upbringing, he had, I think a lot less patience with folks like that. You know, yeah. he was a little rougher with them. Like, look, like mm-hmm. you, you have been shown 
And it's not to say that he doesn't, you know, love them equally and he didn't die equally for, you know, their forgiveness too, but, or their saving too. But the thing is, it's like, he knows, like we know the people who really need poured into, he modeled that for us. I love that. Oh yeah. We just, we don't forget, yeah. but like people who are hard to love need love the most. Oh my gosh. Do they? Yeah. You know, like I told you when we started this um, episode, is that I'm in the middle of writing again and my son gets off the bus and walks in at three 35 and God convicted me today because yesterday when he came, he, he was just kind of standing in my office waiting for me to acknowledge him. But it's like, no, I'm just like, I'm in my mode. So today God was like, as soon as your son walks in, shut your computer. Yeah. And I did, you know, yeah. Like, how was your day? And yeah. Be present because then you know yeah. what'll happen is like, and you know this because you're a grandma and I know this because I'm an empty nester, the kids get older and it's like, you always want that time back. So we have to be very intentional. Like, okay, look, I'm not going to miss this moment. The writing can wait. The thing can wait. This is what's important. And so that's why sure. when we say God comes first, we have to have that time in to get still and everything else just really ends up falling in place. It's never as big yeah. of a deal as we have it in our head. So absolutely. So I yeah. want to just um, start to kind of wrap it up. And if you could share with, um, with the folks here today, you know, just things that are on your heart now, things that you're doing now in the world. I know you've got your pretty podcast. And if you could talk a little about that in your next book and the things that from mm-hmm. a trauma perspective that you really care about that you're trying to pour into people and do right now. Yeah. Yeah. You know, going back to Joyce Myers, once again, you know, she's been sharing her story for 40 years and it's still helping a lot of people. And that's one of the things that God has reminded me, because sometimes when you're like repeating your story over and over again, it's like, oh, you know, but you know what? I'm losing that attitude because there's always somebody that needs to hear it. And so my message is, is that you can heal from trauma and you can get free from addiction. And I share my story just to offer hope to other people. And so the pretty podcast, pretty with Paula Josh, that acronym stands for when we face, where we face our pain, rejection, our experiences that led to trauma and allow it to be a training ground to find yourself. And one day I was like laying in bed and God's like pretty podcast with Paula Josh. And he gave me the acronym. I'm like, how cool is that? Let's, so that's my mission to help people face their pain, rejection, their experiences that led to trauma and allow it to be a training ground. And Beth, another resource that I have for free, if somebody can't, you know, buy my book right now is on the Version Bible app. There's a seven day devotional, letting go of family trauma and addiction. You just type in my name. So that's another option. And my first book is Cross Addicted breaking free from family trauma and addiction. And it's my story, but it's also tools to help you heal. And um, my second, not my second, because I already, it'll be my third project that I'm working on is I'm writing a book to help women heal from body image issues and eating disorder, because women that struggle with body image issues and eating disorder, there's usually some form of trauma that hasn't been dealt with. Right, right. Thank you. Wow. What an incredible wealth of wisdom and experience and just love yeah. care for people because yeah you know I've often said too isn't it crazy that people will say well you don't have this on your resume and you don't have a degree in theology or you don't have and I'm like look I lived it for 25 years or 30 years or 40 it doesn't matter like I I always say to people you can put whatever you want to put on paper you can look good on paper but how you went through and experienced something is really what allows us to empathize with our brothers and sisters yeah. like I get it and that's yeah. what people need to know as they go through pain and trauma and addiction and suffering is this person I'm looking at understands where I am right now. Cause they were here. Yeah. They were, yeah. So. And you know, Beth, it's so true. When I started this journey, I used to be intimidated because I didn't have the degrees to put on the paperwork. 
And I, it took me a while to get over that. That was just insecurity, the shame of my upbringing, you know, the shame of lack of education, but not today, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the perfect segue into the, the very last question I always, I, I end on because I always ask the people that come on the show, what would be the one word today that you would use to describe yourself? Like the most authentic version of yourself. What is that word? Gosh, I'm just going to say the word that comes to me, hope. Yes. Yeah. Hope. You're filled with it. You're filled yeah. with it. Thank yeah. you for being here. I, I oh, really thank you for having me. Yes. <laughs> and um, you guys, for all the viewers, I'll have all the information on how you can reach Paula, how you can reach out to her, get her resources. It'll all be in the show notes. So thank you again. Thank you. As Glennon Doyle says, you guys, we can do hard things. Paula has done hard things. You have done hard things. I have done hard things. Life is hard. Thank you for continuing to show up in it. Don't ever, ever, ever give up. Know that you matter. Know that you have love coming your way, unconditional love from the being that you may call God, you may call creator, you may call, I don't know what to call him, but here's the thing. I promise you that you're here for a reason. You matter, you are loved unconditionally, no matter what you have done, as in remorselessly, without guilt, in spite of wrongdoing. Keep showing up just like that every day. Don't get stuck in your journeys. Be who you were created to be. Let me know if I can help you. Sign up for my newsletters. Any other instruction I need to send your way. But hey, BethFisher.com, it is all there. You guys, please subscribe to this podcast. And thank you so much for being here. Okay, until next week. Peace.